And it's a good day to be together, and uh, the Lord has a word for us. And I uh, just want to get right into His word. I've been um, preaching, and I don't like breaks in it because then it's like so long ago. But you can go listen to the podcast if you would like to listen to the first parts um, of what I've been preaching about. But but basically, what He's put on my heart for the last couple months is that um, God's glory was a tangible, it was a tangible presence in the Old Testament. His glory literally came down in a cloud, in a weight. In fact, it means weight of glory. It was a literal, tangible um, presence of God in the Old Testament in our Bible, right? We know the story, right? And he came and and we looked at how he came and and, uh, got a hold of Moses on the backside of that desert, right? And went into Egypt, rescued the people, brought them out of captivity so that then God could be with them. That was his whole plan. His whole plan was not just to, uh, to be God and, and have uh, a religious system in place for people to come and do this and that each day and, 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 and come out of, you know, the, the menial, the daily grind of Egypt to have a new daily grind of worship. It wasn't ever supposed to be that. It was supposed to be God with his people. That's what he wanted. And what he was restoring uh, was what he always had in mind from the moment that he fashioned us, right? When he fashioned Adam and Eve out of the clay, it was to be with them. And that's amazing today. That's why I love, I love when we start singing this song. It's funny. Isn't it funny how certain lines in the Bible, though, only come up during Christmas? Like Emmanuel, we don't talk about Emmanuel very often during the rest of the year. You might be aware of it, right? But it's funny, it was like, now it's Christmas time, we can say Emmanuel. But I mean, the, the point to that prophecy, as I just prayed there in, in prayer, is that it was God with us. That was his purpose. It was for Jesus to restore this place of intimacy, this place of communion, of fellowship, of friendship even. Moses was called a friend of God. And as I was preaching about Moses, um, you know, it's clear, if you really study it out, that it wasn't just Moses that was supposed to be God's friend. It was just the people said, Moses, you talk to us. We don't want to talk to God direct. He's too scary. You talk to us. And this system, you know, developed. Originally, it was just Ten Commandments. And it became all these decrees and all these laws and all these things that God didn't necessarily want. We know he didn't want it long term, right? Because he's abolished it in in the written and, and wrote it upon our hearts, right? That's our promise through the Holy Spirit. But he had to because... They wanted it that way. It's easier. They love the structure. So many times, as Christians, we don't realize that we've come out of the world, but we really just want God to be like what it was like before. But now we don't swear anymore. (laughs) And now he, you know, takes care of us and takes care of our needs. But we don't really want to get rid of the things that gave us comfort in our system. Like, we want to do things the way we did before, but now we want Jesus to to bless it. 
And when they came out of Egypt, they had this, you know, this system. You got up each day and you worked. And you got cucumbers if you worked. That's what they, that's what they complained about. I, I, that's not TJ. It's not some of you in here. Wouldn't be complaining about that, but that's what they complained about. In Egypt, we like the cucumbers. We want to go back into slavery so we can have cucumbers. And so they were put into this system of religion, this system of, of mediators, of layers and layers and layers to get to God. You have to go through all these stages and all these things and all these people. And, and I just wanted to start to really study out what began to happen as the tabernacle and then the temple and the priest. Because we were talking, I transitioned from Moses into him starting, you know, he's the, it began there with him and it began there in the, in the wilderness with the tabernacle. And we began to look uh, two weeks ago that in Peter, and I'm going to look at that verse again in a moment, that we are the temple. That all of those things ended up pointing to an abolishment of a building and a fulfillment of that in us. That our body, Jesus became the temple on earth and he proved it by, by destroying it, right? And uh, in three days he prophesied of himself. In three days this temple is going to be, uh, be, be destroyed. In three days it's going to be rebuilt. It's going to come back. I'm going to come back to life. And the glory of the Lord had filled the temple with the picture of the Holy Spirit filling Jesus. And then Jesus showed us the way of us being temples, him being the representative in heaven, and us being his representatives on earth, temples, which was a place for God to dwell, and it was a place for the people that don't know God to come and get him. And if you look at that picture, then we can really get this, that God wants to dwell not just among us. He doesn't just want to be in this room, but he wants to be in you. He doesn't want to be in churches. I, I know that sounds like heresy, but Jesus really doesn't want to hang in churches. He wants to hang in you who happen to go to a building that just ironically is called a church. But technically, you're the church. You can call it whatever you want. doesn't have to be no-name church. This could be Jesus on the wall or no name. This could just be the Oak Grove Grange. That's just where we, where we meet because we can't meet in my house. There's not enough room for all of us. But we're not any less the church no matter where we meet. We're the church. And he wants to not only dwell inside of us and change us and do a work in us, and, and that's a huge part of, the, of what the kingdom of God is, is that working in us and changing us and having communion with him. But that's only a part. The other part is that because we are the temple with the Holy Spirit inside of us, is that then we are reflecting him out to this world. He's been putting on my heart, and, and guys, I'm actually, I say this sometimes that I'm preaching to myself too, but today I'm really preaching to myself. I need to hear this message more than anybody in here. I need to be just reminded. I, I promise you, I'm not just saying that is to be funny. I promise you, I need to hear it more than any of you, just to be reminded. This world is only going to be 
touched and changed and affected by you. It doesn't take God. I'm not taking God out of it. It's God in you. Not one of you in here got saved on your own. I mean, it was Jesus who did it. He tugged at your heart. But it was, as I started saying these last couple of weeks, it might have been a, a children's book. It was a poster on a wall. It was a song on a radio, you know, or all of those things all together all at once or for 25 years or for 50 years. And this person's saying this and this situation. And, and it's people. God's used people. Somebody, you know, you've heard people say, no, no one got me saved. I got, my, I got saved all on my own. I was in my room and I was watching TV and a preacher came on and I got saved and no one helped me to it. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting because... Uh, the preacher is real just because he's behind a screen. Still a real, that was still a person that listened to the Lord to speak out what God told him. And, and, and then, so, you know, I heard someone else say once, you know, I was looking at this, this picture of Jesus all the time. And I saw this picture and he just spoke to me himself. And I got saved and nobody influenced it. Meanwhile, God inspired an artist to sit down one day and to draw that picture. Come on, it's you that God wants to use. It's time that we let Jesus out of us. I know this sounds heretical, and if you want, we can debate it after today. Not today. We can debate it, though. Jesus is not going to save anyone himself from heaven. I'm not saying he can't, and I'm not saying that Muslims haven't had divine dreams and visions, but even that is never the end. Then the Lord leads them to some sort of a church or a pastor or a group of people, even in those places where they had a dream or vision. They're not just saved and then just left on their own. No matter what, God's always connecting us together. It's time for us to be the church and stop coming to church. That's what the Lord wants to say today. It's time that we represent him, not just as good people, as I said, that don't swear and we don't drink too much and we don't, you know, we don't cheat, we don't, we don't uh, break our promises and, and we're good in traffic, so, and, and, and we have Christian fish on our bumpers, and so, you know, the world is like, wow, look at those Christians, I want to be like them. That's not going to do it. Honestly, as much as I'm saying it's you, simultaneously, and you can't get this in your human mind, you got to get this in your spirit mind, it's not you. Because you can't do it, you have to let the Holy Spirit out of you. It was the Spirit of God that changed situations, that changed people. And God chose a way. Everybody say he chose a way. I could think up a million different ways of doing things differently than God, like all of us, right? I would do this, then that, a little bit different, and wouldn't save that one. I would save that one. I just, you know, the, the, the crazy darkness, devilish thoughts in our minds. That's demonic. That's not God. But God is who he is. He has a way. He has made a way. And his way is his way. And he has chosen to put the Holy Spirit not just on the earth, but in us. And that's his purpose. And that was 
for him to choose and for him to decide. He wasn't forced into that situation. He chose to do that. But that's how he influences a city is through you and the, you're a conduit. It's still the Holy Spirit. It's not your power. It's not your clever words, right? First Corinthians chapter 2 right? Where Paul's like, it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. In fact, any part of me, right? 1 Corinthians 2, I love that chapter because he's like, even if, it, even if I think I'm smart, and even if I could have come to you in clever speech and some things, I decided not to do any of that and just to let it be Jesus and let the Holy Spirit come through me so that there's no confusion that it's not me, but it's God. So it's you that God needs to open the doors to the church. Come on. It's time to open the doors to the church. Church doors have been closed. This is, this is my personal Jesus. This is a thing, you know, it's just me and Jesus. I don't want to force anything on you. This is just this is something I've got. You know, it's between me and Jesus. That's not his way. That's never meant to be his way. The doors to the church are meant to be open. In fact, the doors are meant to be so open that Jesus is like, you know, when they ask you to stay open past midnight, I'm creating my own. He didn't say that. But what he says is they tell you, you know, they say go a mile and you need to go two miles. They say give me this, you give them that. We're not meant to keep Jesus in. It's not meant to be a personal thing only. It's meant to be a personal impartation that changes us, and we can't help but let him out. Let's just look together. I said I was going to get right into the word, and that was all word. That was scripture, scripture, scripture. If you know the scriptures, sometimes I'm like, I don't, TJ and I have joked, if you don't have the references, are you still preaching the word? You know when Jesus preached, he didn't have references. Because they didn't exist yet. Neither did Paul. And actually, the Lord freed me one time because Paul goes, hey, remember, this is the actual verse. It says, it's written somewhere about such and such. That's what Paul says. It's written somewhere. You know, I read it. I know it's in his word. But in all seriousness, let's uh, turn to the book of Peter. And if you've been doing our Bible reading together, You've been reading with us, and we just read Peter. And I looked at this verse as our anchor verse two weeks ago, and I want to look at it again. And it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says, And you are living stones. Everybody say, I'm a living stone. Now, this is so cool because... The living stone, this is a very interesting thing, and we just, we don't have time, so just very quickly, the priest would wear an ephod. Everybody say ephod. And upon his chest, he had these stones, precious stones, gemstones for the tribes of Israel, and they were considered to be alive, living stones. It's not just, it says, you're living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. There's a double meaning here. It's not just that you are a stone that he's building like a, a building. There's, there's an implication to that as well, Jesus being the cornerstone, as you read in the following verses, but also that you are alive, that the high priest, and, and I'm just 
going to keep going because I'm hoping to get to these things. But if I don't, I'm just going to tell you right now that the high priest who's Jesus Christ, amen, he, we don't need a priest anymore in between you. God has graciously given positions, a pastor just being one of the many, 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 many. It's not just five-fold ministry, it's multi-fold ministry. Five is just some. When he listed the five, it's not these are the five and there's this five and no more. There are many, many things. You can go to the other books and you're going to find all kinds of different ways that we are meant to help each other, grow each other, build each other, etc. Amen? So the priest is not your mediator between you and God. Jesus Christ is the mediator between you and God. God is not offended by you coming to me and asking me a question because hopefully I'm just going to do what I just preached for the last five minutes and open the doors to the church and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. That's what we need to be doing. So it's him anyway. But he's the mediator. And so the high priest, the mediator between God and his people would put on this ephod and he would carry these stones upon his chest, the living stones representing the fact that he took us with him. He took the children of Israel, who we are now. We're grafted in. We are the new children of Israel. We're going into that holy, most holy place, the secret place with Jesus into the Lord's presence. And so that's amazing. It, this, that's just a little commercial break, but it's amazing that it says that we are those living stones. And it says, what's more, say everybody, what's more, we are his holy priests, or your translation might say a royal priesthood. We're a royal priesthood. We are holy Priest, say, I'm a holy priest. Now, by the Bible, not by religion, not by denomination, but by the Bible, every single believer is a priest. Say, I'm a believer. So I'm his priest. Now, you're not the high priest. There's only one high priest, just as there was only one high priest in the Old Testament. Aaron was the first one, right? It was Moses, led the people out. He was the leader. He was the prophet. And then Aaron was the very first high priest. And his sons, they were assisting Aaron, who was led by God, right, to do what Aaron told them to do being led by God. So the high priest is Jesus Christ. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer, everybody say, he offers or who offers? We do. Through Jesus Christ, we offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Every single person in here, if you have said yes to Jesus Christ and you have let him come into your life, you've let him change your life, you've repented for your sins, and you have committed your life to him, you have become a priest for him. You became a priest for the living God. Do you realize the seriousness to this, the, the, the heaviness? Do you realize what, a, as Paul calls it, a high calling that is? I have zero issue with other denominations. That's not my call. I'm not here to, to knock anyone's denomination, so I won't do it today as I 
make an effort to never do. But I want to make it clear today that you don't need a priest in between you. The only priest you need in between you is Jesus Christ, the high priest. And it's not a pride thing. Say, I'm a priest. It's not a pride thing because everyone next to you is also a priest. You are priests before the Lord. Now, this is interesting. Peter, being a Jew, he understood what the priest looked like. When he gives us this metaphor, because we're not a priest going into a physical building anymore, right? So it's a metaphor. Everybody say it's a metaphor. We've already looked at it. Look at it. It's a spiritual temple. It's not a physical temple. It's a spiritual temple. And in fact, the Bible says, who's the temple today? Present tense, Jesus became a spiritual temple first. But who is the temple now? We are. So if you are a priest, where are you ministering? Inside this temple is where the ministry is happening. I've pre preached this before. You've heard me say this. Jesus didn't try to be Jesus. Jesus just was Jesus. Jesus had intimacy with his Father. Jesus let the Holy Spirit do what he wanted to do. And Jesus went about, the word says, doing good. He prayed. Things happened. He broke the power of Satan in places he just was. He didn't try to be Jesus. He just was. There was an internal work. I know it's hard for us to get because he's Jesus, but he also became a man on purpose so that his blood could be equal to your blood. And when he became a man, he had to overcome. Isn't that the truth, right? We know the word because it says that he was tempted. In order for Jesus to be tempted, it means that he was tempted, it wouldn't be temptation if it wasn't temptation. So Jesus overcame. Jesus had, had dealt with things. I know it's hard for our minds to get that Jesus had to deal with things, but he had to deal with things, and he dealt with them, and he crucified his flesh before the physical cross ever happened. He had already done it. It had already been finished. And so there was a ministry that had already begun within him. He and the Father becoming one. Remember, that's what he prays for us. We're one, and I pray that they'd be one as we are one. There's a ministry that's already happened. And so, and you, would, you can find this many times. Jesus goes away. He spends time with the Father. He comes down with the time uh, with the Father, back down to the world, and then gives what he has. He's not, let me, let me just, let me seek the Lord. I... I, let me go seek the Lord and let me go try to work up a miracle here. He just gives what he has from who he is in his Father and the Holy Spirit, the unity that he already had in this temple. Listen to this. If he's the temple, he gives us the picture. He's the temple, and then he says, you're the temple, then the ministry is actually in here. The ministry is in here. When we minister out, it's not you trying to work something up and try to make something happen. In fact, we've tried that. 
Who's tried that before? Right? You try that, it just doesn't work. You can get emotional results, but you're not going to get a spiritual result. We have to come into this place that he's talking about here where we recognize that I'm not my own. Everybody say it. I'm not my own. Jesus didn't do his own will. Jesus wasn't his own. He had the choice to be free. If he didn't have it, then why would he go to the Father and pray three times, right, for the Lord to maybe change it? Why would he pray if, if there was no possibility that he had the right to pray? God had his way because God is God. But he chose to pray, hoping maybe God had a different way suddenly. And so by dealing with the sacrifice, come on. All right, so it's just so much, guys. I'm sorry. I'm just going to pause because I was about to go somewhere else. And I'm just, that's me stopping. If you're wondering what I'm doing, I'm about to, eh, no, I'm not going to go there. It's just way too much. So let's just rewind. And I'm just going to continue down the route that we're headed right now. Verse 9 says, thank you, Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. I love that. Thank you, Lord. He says, verse 9, you are a chosen people. Everybody say, I'm a chosen people. And he says again, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And it says, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. It says that you are royal priest, which is one that is worshiping God, one that is it says that they brought the sacrifice. Romans 12, 1 says, just so you're not unaware of what the sacrifice is, yes, Jesus paid the atonement. He paid the sin sacrifice, which you could never pay. But you know, if you go through your word, there was many, many, many sacrifices. In fact, there were sacrifices for sacrifices. Before you wanted to bring a sacrifice, you had to bring a sacrifice sometimes. Go and study your word. You can never, ever sacrifice to cover your sin. But meanwhile, even though the blood was being sacrificed continually, that's Jesus Christ, New Testament, you still were called to live a life that represented God. You could bring sacrifices all you want, and if you were living like a heathen, you would get stoned. That's the word. We don't like it, but that's the word. You could bring a sacrifice because you rebelled against your parents, and okay, here's the sacrifice, but the, the law is we have to stone you now. So Jesus goes in and cancels out that sin. Who's thankful for that, by the way? <laughs> Who's thankful for grace? And honestly, when you read the whole word, you, you, you really get the picture of grace. 
you will never trample on it again. When you really look at his whole word and you really get that word in you and you understand what he did, you would never trample on grace anymore. You don't take it for granted. It's a serious, serious thing that has happened in the spirit world and, and covers you, protects you. But meanwhile, Romans 12.1 says, even though you could never earn that, there's you bring your life, you join. Come on, and there's many other cross-references in your word. You join with his sacrifice. Everybody say, I'm joining with him on the cross. That's the picture. You get on the cross with him, even though it's 2019. It's 2,000 years ago, and the Father sees you on the cross with Jesus. Your life is gone. Your sin is gone with it. Thank you. We're always thankful for that part. But many times we pull the nails back out. Thank you for the sins gone. We take the nails back out. Well, I'm free. No, you're not free. You're not free. Yes, you're free. But Paul says, I don't use my freedom for sin. I don't use my freedom as a license to do what I want. I'm free, but I'm a bondservant. I'm free, but I'm not free. I'm a temple. I'm free, but I need to keep the doors to this temple open, and, and I need to bring worship and praise to him. And, and so the sacrifice was made on an altar in a building, and it was a picture, and they built it, and they made this thing. And in Hebrews, you can get a really good picture of what was happening. In fact, let's just go there. There's many, many verses as you go through Hebrews that really uh, create the picture of the building to the people. And it says in uh, Hebrews 9, there are, uh, there's many others. You can get up, read up to 9. Go ahead and read it because it's amazing, just pointing to Jesus and pointing to who we are in him. But in Hebrews 9, verse 1, it says the first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place of worship. Everybody say there was a place of worship. All right, so there was a place. It was a physical place, and you had to go to the physical place. But it says, and it was here on earth, and there were two rooms in that tabernacle, and the first room had a lampstand and a table and sacred loaves of bread on the table, and this room was called the holy place. And there was a curtain, and behind that uh, curtain, there was a second room called the most holy place. And in that room, there was gold incense and all... Uh, an old gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides, and inside the Ark, the gold jar containing the manna, Aaron's staff that uh, sprouted leaves, and the stone tablets of the covenant above the Ark, right where the cherubim, right? You know your word, right? They stood above them in divine glory, whose wings stretched over the Ark, right? Whoever's seen, if you don't know your word, you know Indiana Jones, so you know what this looked like. And so, and then the angels covered them, and this is the place of atonement, and, but we cannot explain these things in detail now, neither can I. So verse 6, when these things were all in place, the priests regularly entered the first room as they performed the religious duties, but only the high priest ever entered the most holy place, and only once a year. 
And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins of the people had committed in ignorance. But by these regulations, verse 8, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were still in use. So Christ, verse 11, has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater. Everybody say greater. And it says more perfect tabernacle in heaven, a heavenly tabernacle. Entered the heavenly place, and it says, which was not made. Say, I'm not a temple of physical stone. Right? We're spiritual. We have not been made by human hands. We've been made by God. We've been made by God. In fact, God is still, he's perfecting us, right? He's still changing us. He's still moving things around. He's still putting the furniture where it needs to be inside of us, right? We thank you, Lord, that he's faithful to do that in us, right? Who has seen a change today even greater than it was last year? If you're the same or worse than you were last year, it's time to repent. I'm not ashamed to say that. If you think that you are more on fire at another time in your life, it's time to repent. You should never, ever be on more on fire in your previous time than you are now. The fire should only be growing brighter and hotter. And that's the word. And so, verse 12, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy. This is what I wanted to try to get to you. You can go and read, you know, Exodus, and you can read in Numbers as they're putting together this picture, and then Solomon builds it. But it was not meant to be permanent. God never, ever wanted it to be that way. In fact, every time they built it and finished it, it got destroyed again. Who knows your word? Right? Every time they got the temple finally finished in the Old Testament, sin crept in again, the place got destroyed, and so it meant to be Jesus. It was only a copy. Everybody say it was a copy. And he entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. So the temple was remade into a spiritual temple. Jesus being the high priest, the most holy place. And you can look at it almost like this. The most holy place in the heavens where Jesus is. The, he's in the holy of holies, in the presence of God. That's where Jesus sits, at the right hand of God. And the holy place is here on earth. And, the, and you can look at this picture together that the people could get close to the holy place. You Don't get too close, not unless you want to know about it. Don't get too close. Don't come trampling over here. Right? That's where it says, don't cast your pearls before swine. And I'm not going to get into the whole, that whole thing, but when they come close, when they come towards you, and, 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 and they want to know, and, and, and you've seen it, the people that want to just dabble, they get into trouble, don't they? The people don't want to come, really come in. They want to just know about Jesus. They want to kind of like know your seven secrets to your success. But they don't really want to know Jesus, and they can kind of take some of it, but they get into trouble, don't they? And I'll leave that there. 
But there's the holy of holies, and then there's the holy place, and we are carrying that around with a direct connection to anyone who wants. I'll introduce you to the high priest. You couldn't talk to him before. He's not available to you. You could talk to me, the priest, but you can't talk to the high priest. But I will connect you direct. Then you can be a priest before him as well. I'll be a priest for a little while to you, to be your priest for a little while, but I'm gonna, only going to steer you to him. Are we getting anything out of this today, guys? I know everybody's starting to think about your food. I'm not offended either. I know it's hard when, if we're just sitting having a conversation, it's more engaged, it's easier. I'm not offended. I've been on both sides. So if you don't get every single little word, I'm not offended. I sit in those seats too, just with other people up here. Or th people I'm listening to, and you're not going to retain every single little thing, so it's okay. But I want you to get this, that Jesus did not want to just remake an old system, but with fancier buildings and technology and cables going everywhere. He didn't want a temple again. And we need to be so careful as Christians in this modern time that we just don't go to the temple. And I know I've been a broken record with this for the last months, but I really feel like the Lord wants to, us to get this, that we are literally the temple. And it is an every single day thing. In fact, it says in Leviticus when he was talking, because we're looking at this parallel, Peter's the one making the, the, the parallel to us human beings with the Spirit of God in us being the temple so, and being priests. So when you look back at what the priest was, even though, even though that system is gone, we can look at their picture. And it says that they had to put on priestly garments. They had to be separated. They couldn't just do what they wanted. They couldn't just have land and, and go here and do that. They were not their own any longer. They were the Lord's. They were purchased by blood. In fact, uh, not only were they purchased by the blood, and not only were they set apart, and then even their clothes, even down to their underwear, was supposed to be clean and pure. You washed before you came into the presence of God, and to keep that clothes clean, you took it off again and went and washed again. There was such a separation of the priests who serve the Lord. And I, and, and I, I feel from the Spirit of the Lord as I was seeking Him and putting this together that we don't get who we are, the seriousness of who we are. That we are not meant to just come in and go out to be the words I was getting in my spirit are passive, nonchalant, careless, carefree. Just, you know, oh yeah, I'm a believer. I serve the Lord. I love Jesus. And just come and go as we please. But in fact, as you read in Leviticus chapter 10, it says in verse 1, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu... And, and if I was God, I'm not God. We've already prefaced that. 
that we would all do things a little bit different. But if I was God, I would have given his sons, Nadab and Abihu, some grace, considering this is a brand new system, and I just told you about it, I don't know, weeks or months ago, and so you better have it memorized and don't make a mistake. But they do. It says that they put coals of fire in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them in this way. And uh, your version might say it was strange fire or foreign fire, depending on your translation. It says, in this way, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire, different than he had commanded. And so fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up. And they died before the Lord. Now, I didn't read that verse to scare you. But I read this verse, and there's many, many more. I just don't have the time, as usual, to look at the seriousness of the call of God. There are not Christians and called. That was a false, that was a fallacy. There were Christians, and then there were called Christians. There's Christians, and there's super-Christians. If you grew up as a Christian, maybe you, you are aware of those, those false, fake, demonic lies. They're lies from the pit of hell that there's like the normal Christians and then there's the super Christians, you know, that figure everything out and they run everything and they do everything for God and then you serve them and maybe you might be one of them one day. There's definitely a serving. There's a serving from the top to the bottom and the bottom to the top, though, from left to right and etc. So I'm not going to get rid of the serving. That part's true. But it's not some sort of hierarchical system of super Christian, medium Christian, base Christian. If you are a Christian, you are called. Say, I'm a Christian and I'm called. Peter makes no differentiation between who are the priests, that some are priests and some are not. If you are a Christian, you are a priest. And that means if Peter referred to the priest, then, okay, maybe you don't like reading your Old Testament, but let's go find out what a priest was. The priest was separated before God. The priest was holy. In fact, we can go to Peter again. He says, be holy because I'm holy. The priest was not his own. The priest had no free will. In fact, I've said it now several times, but the priest was not even allowed to have inheritance. The Lord said, I'm their inheritance. You are not just one of the tribes of Israel. You are a priest. In fact, if you don't believe me, not only did Peter say it, but Jesus said it too in his prophecy in John, through John, in the book of Revelation. And I'll close with these verses. But I love these verses. They're so powerful. And I have so much here, so let me find it. But the book of Revelation, Jesus spoke, and he said, if I can find it, and I will. I know the verse, but I want you to read the reference. I want you to see it. There it is. They were here right in front of me the whole time. Right below where I just was, of course. That's why I went scrolling, and I didn't need to go scrolling. It's Revelations chapter 1, verse 5. It says, Jesus Christ, Revelations 1, verse 5, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, he's the first to rise from the dead, and he's the ruler of all the kings of the world. And it says, all glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He's the first to rise from the dead. He's the first. 
Because there would be many that would rise from the dead. Who's the many? Who's the rest to rise from the dead? He's the first. We are the rest. We're going to rise with him. And he tells us what we will be. He's the first to rise from the dead. Verse 6, and he has made us a kingdom of priests. Everybody say, we are a kingdom of priests. Your translation might be kings and priests. And there was another false, there was this false uh, lie from the pit of hell that was going around getting people to get worldly again that was some are kings and some are priests. And it was just a demonic, devil-inspired way to get people to get focused on money and focused on this world again. Well, I'll provide. I'll go make a whole bunch of money. I'll pay you. You go do the work for the kingdom, and I'll just pay you to do it. But there's no differentiation. In fact, the more, the better way that the NLT translates is what was prophesied all the way back when he brings them out of Egypt before Moses, before the Ten Commandments, before any of it, before the tabernacle, he literally prophesies to them. The Lord says to the people, I'm going to make you a kingdom of priests. They only set up the system because they rejected the communion, the fellowship, the friendship with God that he wanted. So the system came into place, the priests came into place, and so on, as we already looked at. But he actually said, you will be a kingdom. Say, we're a kingdom of priests. In Revelations chapter 5, just in case you didn't believe Jesus, he says it again. Revelation 5, verse 9, it says, And they sang a new song with these words, You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seal and open it, for you were slaughtered, and your blood is ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. What's it say? Is this for the Jews only? I read this on purpose because it's every tribe, say every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. From all the world, from Jew and Gentile, he made a brand new people. Come on, Jesus made a new people. Jesus was the first to rise from the dead, and he made a new temple with a most holy place that has the doors open, and with a holy place here on earth with the doors open, and that's you, to let the Spirit of God come out of you, from heaven, through you, into the earth, for people to come through you, through you, to heaven, to see Jesus themselves, to then become another temple just like you that lets the Holy Spirit out of them and lets the people around them experience them to come in themselves. And he says, and this is the last verse, and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. We just thank you, Jesus, for your word. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, that you have called us, that every single one of us in here, Lord, we are called. We are not our own. And I thank you, Lord, that every lie from the pit of hell that tries to get us to live mediocre, uh, lackadaisical lives, Lord Jesus, we thank you and praise you that you're breaking us free from those lies. You're breaking off the chains and the bondage 
of just getting by, of getting through, but that, Lord, it's a high calling, and every single person in this room and listening to this on the podcast has the same call. Lord, you've given us all different abilities. You've given us, Lord, all different strategies, and you've given us all different strengths, and we all have different weaknesses, Lord, and we're all meant to work together for one purpose, but we are all called to be priests of the Most High. We are all called to represent you and carry the Holy Spirit in our world. And we thank you, Jesus, that today, Lord, that we would have that revelation again, Lord. Just open our eyes to a greater understanding of who you are and of what you have truly done in us and what you want to do out through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.